Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning and welcome again. My name is Brian. I'm the care pastor here at the church, and it's really good to be here with you this morning. Um, Some of you may know me. Uh, If you do, then you know that before I do what I do now, I used to be a pastry chef. I was uh, an executive pastry chef for a luxury hotel company and had a great time doing it. I kind of worked my way up from being a pastry cook until I finally was given my own shop. And uh, the first property I ever went and served at, uh, I got to, to develop a friendship with the executive chef. He was a really nice guy, really super smart, great with figures. And uh, I liked talking to him, although he kind of mumbled. My wife tells me the same way I mumble, except he had this really sexy French accent, which I don't have. <laughs> and so... You know, when you work 90 or 100 hours a week with someone, you get, to, you get to know them a little bit, and you start to kind of do life together. And it wasn't long after we started working together when Chef confided in me that he, like so many other people in the hospitality industry, so many people in the food industry, are plagued. He was an alcoholic. And he was tempted. He said, every day I have to be aware that alcohol tempts me and that if I'm around it, I have to be guarded and, and be ever watchful about being in its presence. And so when you're a chef, you're around people drinking alcohol in the restaurant, you're around uh, alcohol being used in the kitchen to cook with, and he just had to be ever mindful of it. And he, he told me that, in fact, he'd been sober for 22 years, 22 remarkable years And that was just awesome, and it was good for me to hear that, especially at the time. But toward the the end of my time there, as a kitchen, we were constantly working to to make our customers happy. It's a big uh, area of focus for the Ritz-Carlton. And so we had received a customer satisfaction survey that just really was super positive. Uh, We were all going to get bonuses out of it, and we were all really excited that our hard work had paid off. And so the chef said, you know what? We're going to take the whole kitchen out. We're going to rent out this restaurant. We're going to have an open bar, and we're going to take the whole kitchen out. It's going to be great. And so we did. And so after service on a Friday night, we all went out, and we were eating. We were having a great time, and things were going really, really well, and it was just a great atmosphere until we noticed there was a commotion. And the commotion was over at the bar. And someone had gotten up on the bar and they were beginning to dance. And sure enough, it was Chef. After 22 years, 22 years, that night, Chef decided to have a drink. And then another drink. And then another drink. And then another. And so the executive sous chef and myself went over And we pulled him down from the bar and convinced him it was time to go home. We threw him in a cab 
and we sent him home to his wife. It wasn't, not even a month went by between not showing up for work and showing up for work maybe a little impaired. Chef had to find another job. And he was forced to take a job at another hotel that was far below what the level of his resume had earned him. And it really wasn't too much longer after that, only about six months, when I learned that as a result of giving in to that temptation one night, it would cost Chef his marriage. He and his wife separated and were divorced. And so things started to go horribly, horribly wrong for him very quickly, all through giving in to that one temptation. Now, we've just come out of this great series in Jonah, and it was a tremendous story. And what we saw was Jonah planted his feet and said, God, I know what you want, and I'm not going to do it. He was just willfully disobedient to God. But if we think about that a little more, there was a period of time before Jonah planted his feet where he still had options. He had choices. And we call that window temptation. When you can do what is good and pleasing or you can do what's going to take you down that dark path. And so we're kicking off a series this morning on temptation. We're going to be in this for about three or four weeks. I'm really looking forward to it because I don't know about you, but temptation is stressful to me. I, and temptation is stressful, right? Because we're not tempted by things that are no fun or taste terrible or don't feel good, right? When we're tempted, we're tempted, honestly, we're tempted by things that feel really, really good and we really, really want to do them. And so it is stressful, and, and we can talk about the temptation to do things like overeat or um, sexual temptation, like there's more than a few things there, right? That's a pretty deep subject, or things that have to do with our money. We face temptation with that every day. One of my favorites is social media, right? Because it's like a, it's like a, a two-bagger. All right, there's the temptation to be on it all the time and so that it becomes actually an addiction. Or you only have to be on social media one time and decide, you know what, I'm going to let the world know what I think of Mr. So-and-so and his, you know, such and such. And before you know it, you have just hate bashed a person into oblivion and they're on the other end of that. There are all kinds of temptations that we face. There are temptations to be people-pleasing, so easy to fall into. Temptations to be status-seeking. All sorts of things that we don't, we don't just have to talk about. Addictions. And so we're going to ask a lot of questions this morning. I'm probably going to ask more questions than I'm going to give you answers. And we're going to find out. We're going to find out what possible response we can have when we're faced with temptation. And we've been you know, on this kind of journey to change the culture here where we've been having people stand at the end of the service. And, and we are going to have a chance to respond today by, by standing for some things. We're going to look at what Scripture has to say about this because I know, I know, when I first started thinking about talking about this, I thought, wait a minute, you know, what really is wrong with some of the things we're talking about? What's wrong with giving in to something every once in a while? You know, are we, are we supposed to 
have lives of complete denial? Is that, is that what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Just never be able to do anything fun or good feeling ever? I don't know about you. I was not called to be a monk, okay? <laughs> Wrong building, different church. That's, that's down the street somewhere. <laughs> Wrong place. So our scripture for this series is going to be over in 1 Corinthians. If you want to turn there or tap there or however you get to it. Um, it's 1 Corinthians 10, um, verses 12 and 13. Paul writes to the Corinthian church, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. We're going to focus on that. Every time there's a temptation, there is a way out. So let's pray. Father God, we just sang that you're good and you're powerful and you're a loving Father and that there is freedom in you, Lord. And so I know that you are not unsympathetic. I know that you understand us, Father God, in temptation. And so this morning, just come and speak to us. Lord, tell us, teach us, get into our hearts, get into our minds, Lord, of what you have to say to us this morning. Holy Spirit, come. We need you. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we go too much farther, I want us, you know, what are we talking about here? I, I ripped off a list of a couple of things, but are we talking about, you know, the temptation to have dessert before dinner? Or are we talking about, hey, let's go see what the inside of a strip club looks like? Because the two aren't equal, are they? What are we talking about? So I think we can, we can get a definition of this and we can look at it this morning. I, I would like us to work with this definition, that temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. And bear with me, this is not, I'm not a list guy, okay? We are not, objective this morning is not to make a list of things that you can do and that you can't do and you're going like to go home and I'm going to be like, go home and pray about not doing these things and pray about doing more of these things. That's not what we're, where we're going this morning. I want to assure you from something right from the beginning. Your creator wired you to like, crave, and want Good, satisfying, joyful, pleasurable things. You're built that way. God designed you to seek satisfaction. You know, when we were just in here singing a few minutes ago, you probably had a good, warm feeling while we were in worship. It feels good to worship God. When you go home today, if you have kids and you go play with your kids, that's good. That's satisfying. You are wired to want more of that. You are wired to go home and sit close to your wife and cuddle today while you're watching TV or whatever tonight. And that is a good thing. God made you that way. There is nothing wrong with wanting that. 
But like so many things out of the original design, that's a little broken. That's a little broken. See, the problem is, is we crave good and pleasurable and and God-designed things for us, like playing with our children or being in worship. But we also, your brain does not know the difference between that and the pleasure we get out of things like cocaine or pornography. Your brain doesn't know the difference. You know, I have a, I have a friend who, who talks about the, the cycle of craving pleasurable things and, and then what we so often do to ourselves like it's a merry-go-round. And there's merry-go-rounds in two different parks, right? If you go in the good and the happy park, the merry-go-round has bright lights and it's brightly colored and painted and you want to get on and you want to you spin around and, and forget your cares for a little bit and have a, have a good time and you can do that in that park and get off and everything's fine. But in the other park, when you get on the merry-go-round, because it's so tempting, it looks so good to get on it and you go around and you're having a great time and you forget that what you've chosen to do isn't beneficial at all until you get off. And you get off that merry-go-round and you start to smack yourself around and you feel guilt and you feel shame and you tell yourself bad things about yourself and then you real quick figure out there's a way to fix that, isn't it? You just get back on the merry-go-round. You go around again. And some of us know this cycle of temptation and giving in and feeling like dirt, and going back to the temptation, and giving in. And so we need something to work with. We need something to work with. So this morning, we're going to talk about four truths about temptation. Four four things that we know are true about the temptation. And the first one is this. Some of you need to hear this. It is not a sin to be tempted. It is not a sin to be tempted. Scripture says this over in Hebrews. It says, For we do not have a high priest, that is Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. See, we, we think that it's unnatural for us to be tempted. You know, even Jesus was tempted. If you remember or you've ever looked at the story of when he's baptized and, you know, he hears the voice of God say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, before he's even done anything great, before he's even started on ministry. And then he says, okay, this is, this is it. This is the beginning of my ministry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go forward in this mission with God. I'm going to be obedient and do what he's called me to do. And what happens? Bam, Satan takes him out to the desert and starts yipping in his ear. I got stuff for you, man. I got some really good stuff for you. If you'll just do this, I promise you that. Anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. So if Jesus can be tempted, if that that human part of him was open to temptation but he doesn't give in. It should not surprise us that we're going to be tempted as well because we're human. I mean, I know that's not a newsflash to most of you. (laughs) But we're human and we can expect no better to be tempted. It is not a sin 
just to be tempted. You know, this, this beach is, is a buffet <laughs> of different temptations. It is almost too impossible to avoid some of the things that go on here. But the truth is, is it's not just the beach. You know, there are temptations that exist in your workplace. There are temptations that exist in your home, with your personal relationships. There's all sorts of things. So to think at any time during your normal human existence, you can escape any of this, it's just not realistic. But a lot of us face the temptation, even when we don't go through with it, and we feel so horrible that it even crossed our mind that we could do something or, or look at something or give in to that temptation. And right away, here comes the guilt and the shame. And it's almost as if there's no difference between thinking about it and doing it. And the truth is there's a huge difference between thinking about it and doing it. Jesus knows there's a difference between thinking about it and doing it. So it is not a sin to be tempted but we have to ask ourselves, at what? where's the line? Where's the line? You know, if I run up to that buffet and breathe in the smells of the dessert real good on the temptation buffet, is that okay? Where's the line? Because I can tell you this, and this is your second fill-in, you are never above temptation you are never above temptation scripture says so if you think you are standing firm be careful that you don't fall if you think you're standing firm be careful now i know some of you have already looked up the um, web address for the podcast because you know there is someone in your life that just needs to hear this And you can't wait. You're so glad I'm preaching this because they need to hear it. Because you're sitting there going, you know what? That would never happen to me. I'm strong. I don't give in to temptation. I never get so drunk I was up on top of a bar dancing. I just wouldn't do it. You know, I I will tell you something. Um, I'm an ex-smoker. And I can't tell you how many times when I was quitting, people would say, oh, that's a shame. You know, but truth is, is I'm just not like that. I just don't have an addictive personality. And you know very well (laughs) they've got some things that we need to talk about, right? The truth is, the truth is, is the night Chef went into that bar with us, he'd gone through 22 years of being sober, right? 22 years. And I have no doubt in those 22 years, there were many days that were hard. I know for a fact there were many days that were long. When there were frustrations, when work wasn't going the way we wanted it to, when perhaps he got home, and I I know this probably never happens to you, but maybe he had an argument with his wife. When he was tempted to go out of the house and and go get a drink. And when does he give in? When did he let the temptation pull him over the cliff? He let the temptation pull him over the cliff the night everything was going great. We were having an awesome time. You're never above temptation. Every time I'm tempted, 
every time I'm in a situation where I have to be aware of it, or maybe when I've given in to temptation, it's because I went in thinking, I got this. I can handle it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm over that. What do we call that? What do we call that? It's pride. Right? That's pride. Isn't that what got us in this trouble in the first place? Hey, Adam, check this out. I know what God said, but I have a better idea. Pride will get us in trouble every single time. Make no mistake. Make no mistake. We are our, our own worst enemies, and we're going to talk about that. And, but there is also another thing that we have to deal with, and that is there is another team on the field. We are not out here playing by ourselves, all right? Satan is very, very real. God loves you, has a great plan for your life. Satan hates you and wants to destroy you. And so he will come at you, certainly in your weaknesses, in those moments where you're you're questioning and you're just not up for it. If you've been around for a little while, a while ago somebody told me this acronym. It's called HALT, H-A-L-T. It stands for hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. If you are any one of those four things and you're about to make a decision, you're about to go into a situation that you know is a little sketchy for you, you are very prone to doing what you know you ought not do. You think about it. Do you do things when you're angry that you wouldn't ordinarily do? Yes. When you're tired, is it a little harder? Yes. So Satan will come at you in your weaknesses, but make no mistake, folks, he loves, he loves your strengths. He loves to come at you where, where you're strong or where you believe you're strong. He looks at that pride and he says, oh yeah, you're doing my work for me. You are doing your work, his work for him. He will come right at you when you feel the strongest. So we have to guard against that over-self-confidence. We have to guard against cockiness. A lot of us have another illusion that we have to talk about as well. Your third fill-in is this. God will never tempt you. God will never tempt you. I know, you know, some of us, are, are like, have this mindset where it's like, why did God put this in my life? I know he's just trying to, to tempt me to see if I'll make the wrong choice. He just wants to see if I'll screw this up and then he can finally be done with me, right? God will never tempt you. James says this, chapter 1, verse 13, and remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. See, God doesn't tempt you. God tests you. There is a difference. God tests you to move you forward. Temptation wants to pull you back. You know, I, 
I know some of you are, are college students. I'm a college student right now, and I'm facing finals this week. So yes, you can pray for me. But <laughs> the reason we take finals, the reason that we take tests in school is that we've been given the information by someone who knows a lot more than we do, and now we're going to be tested so we know if we understand the relevant, helpful information that we've been given. It's a good thing. Tests kind of shore up your learning. Tests help you to know, what should I take away from this class? What should I take away from this situation? You know, we may not like tests, but they're actually a good thing. And so God never tempts you, but he will test you with the idea of moving you forward. Temptation offers you an opportunity to fail. Temptation always offers you an opportunity to fall short of what's best for you. A temptation to do something that you know you probably ought not do. And so when God tests us, it might look something like this. Hey, Brian, do you really believe that I can provide financially for you and your family and give you a secure future? Or are you going to keep that tithe right there in your wallet? Brian, do you really believe that I can legitimately find a way to satisfy your human need for intimacy and love? Or do you have some illegitimate way to go about that that you'd rather I stay out of? That's what God testing us sounds like. Temptation is that voice that tries to pull us back by saying, yeah, but what if? Temptation is that voice that says, you know what? Does God even care right now? Temptation is that voice that sounds an awful lot, and I know a lot of us know this one. I'll never change, so I might as well. You know, see, if temptation comes from our own hearts, like James says, if, it, if it's really a problem, then we can't ever hope to stand against it on our own. I think it was back in the 80s, you know, it was Ice Cube, the famous theologian, that said, um, <laughs> check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? That would be great, except it's an inside job. It's an inside job. We're our own worst enemies sometimes. And you, and, and you have to ask, you know, when I hear that and I think about that, I think, man, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Does that mean there is no hope in him? Does that mean that I have to go through life constantly guarded? That temptation is just around every single corner and now I have no gain from knowing Jesus Christ? That's a good question. Until we understand that it's actually the opposite. Temptation is a great thing because every temptation is an invitation to depend more fully on Christ. Every temptation is an invitation 
to depend more fully on Jesus Christ. That's why. That's why your fourth feeling is this. There is always a way out. There is always a way out. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Some of you are here this morning and you're operating with nothing more than just say no. And just say no is great until you just say yes. Right? And some of you know the two questions when you get in a situation. What's the harm? Or what's the benefit? And you don't know which one is more dangerous Because you know you can answer either one of those questions and twist it in a way that will work out for whatever you want to do today. That's why we're talking about this. That's why we're we're launching a series on this. We're going to talk about things. We're going to talk about the power of confession. We're going to talk about repentance about just going the other way we're going to talk about how to get some accountability in our lives and what is the benefit of some accountability we're going to find out we are all in a process we are all in this process somewhere you with me so it's not a sin to be tempted never above temptation we know that God won't tempt us and not if temptation comes when temptation comes God will always give us a way out we always have a way out because the Christ in me the Christ in you is so incredibly more powerful than anything in this world Every temptation is an invitation not just to resist, but to deepen your relationship with the Christ that saved you, with the Christ that died for you, with the Christ that promises you abundant and good life, with the Christ that connects you to the God who created you to love good, satisfying things. God knows us. He always gives us a way out. We're going to explore that over the next couple of weeks. You know, I think a temptation, I think a temptation is a wind. You know when you go down on the beach and there's just that constant wind and you stand in it and some days it only feels strong enough to, to maybe ruffle your hair a little bit. But for some of us, temptation feels like that wind, except that wind is a hurricane gale force. And it's blowing right in our face every day. And we are, feel like we're this close 
She's just getting blown over. To getting blown down the beach like a paper cup. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.